Okay, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Thursday the 15th. I have not done a Channeling Amelin video or podcast since Monday. So today I'm going to do something different. I'm going to let you listen to me as I go around my kitchen and make a cup of coffee. And I'll get my rambling out now. Oh, sometimes it's just so hard to sit down and be disciplined and do something when your heart's not in it. So, I just decided that I'm just going to do what my heart is in. And I do want to get out my thoughts and communicate and spend some time with myself, which is really what the Channeling Amelon process is. It's founded on spending time getting to know yourself, your most inner aspects. Um, I am heating up my water right now. I always put on three minutes, but I never need that long to make some coffee. And then I'm going to make this coffee and sit in my big red comfy chair, which I have chosen a space in my house that's the most comfortable and relaxing for me. And it's very easy. It's a, a chair in my room that I can relax into in privacy. So if I need to shed a couple tears, I can do that. Um, I used to do a video, so I would at least have to put on clothes. <laughs> but with the podcast, shoot, I can just get out of bed and do whatever I like, and I'm attached on my ramblings. I record them because there's something about me that thinks that these are going to be beneficial. I don't know what yet, to be honest. I post a lot of things. I put things out into the universe because I just want to continue that energy around those things, right? That's my contribution to the mass consciousness is that which I put out. And it's almost like I don't have a control. I have to keep putting it out. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, something about joy. Share it. Something about positivity. Share it. Something. I'm sure people get annoyed, but this is my expression. So, yeah. I'm always putting content together and putting stuff out because it is my contribution to where the world's going in some little way. I know people think that um, social media doesn't have an impact or nobody watches their page, but just social media as a whole, right, has a huge impact. And one of the issues right now is that there's more people in human consciousness that are dealing with separation. Fear, anxiety, um, all kinds of stuff that they're dealing with the outside world and unable to find their center. So if I can contribute anyway, because I've done the work and I'm in my center, then I definitely want to. I don't think that I'm better off than anybody else. I just happen to find a place that my experience is different. It's not painful. And that comes in two forms. Naturally, I think because I don't enjoy pain, not that anybody does. I mean, some people can find pleasure in it, but um, it's not my natural way of, of enjoyment of the sensations of this world. I avoid it. And that, um, that brought me to the opposite, cultivating happiness, right? So at first it was 
not a healthy way because I would escape what is in order to find a moment of happiness. But now what I've learned is that um, I'm mixing in my cafe de olla. Where comienza tu día con su rico sabor. Yes. Anyway, I don't know what I was saying. Oh, I have to cultivate it, right? So um, this morning in one of my feeds, Oprah Winfrey and Brene Brown pop up. And there's, there are two people that are on my vibration of who I tune into, right? They carry the same message that my heart desires. Um, but I was listening to them and they were talking about joy being the most vulnerable for people because it, the contrast, when you choose joy, what immediately comes is what is contrasting that, right? Which is fear of losing or, or of that moment being removed. And a lot of times it's in the extreme. If I feel joy, my thoughts are going to go to extreme loss. Um, I don't do that. My brain doesn't do that. Um, I stay in joy as long as possible. <laughs> and the way that I do that is with gratitude. I am very, very grateful for the, the blessed moments that I get to experience. Oh, am I putting coconut oil in my cafe de olla this morning? It's really just Nescafe. <laughs> okay, let's see. I'm going to put a little bit in. I like my oil in the morning to pump up my metabolism, get me started. And it tastes really good because it's like a sweet, right? All right, coconut oil, done. Put my coffee and my sugar away, and then I'll go back to the chair. So yeah, so I keep deciding how I'm going to do these processes, um, my video and then my podcast or this recording and gosh the hardest part for me is consistently doing something so a part of me was like well if you got to do it you got to do it perfect you got to do it right or like my daughter um she's an actress and um she talks about her craft a lot and content and it's about if who do you want to see it? If you only want 10 people to see it, don't worry about it. Just do what you got to do. But if you want more to see it, then you're going to have to, you know, create your product somehow where people are expecting it. And that's that mainstream consciousness, right? When videos are put out, podcasts are put out, everybody kind of starts meshing into a commonality. And that, I get it. We're humans. We have mirror neurons. It's part of our programming. But I don't know if I want to do that. Or maybe, like she said, I only want, you know, the people that are seeking and are on this path and can overcome the um, patterns. But then do I want to help everybody or just uh, the pondering questions that we don't have answers for? And I don't have answers yet. I, I actually, I would like to help people if what I put out helps them. But I guess I'm not intending at this moment with this process, right? My channeling amylin process is still for me. It, I don't want to change my process in order to serve others yet. Because this is serving me first. But I want to capture my process so that later I can edit it and create some kind of... Uh, Either a process or a community or 
I don't know, something helpful. I guess I stay in what is. And right now, it's Amelin doing channeling Amelin videos and podcasts and recordings just in discovery, right? This is my curiosity. I'm just doing it to do it. And it, and I have to do it because when I don't do it, it hurts. <laughs> These two days, I was like, of course, distracted by things in the world, right? The semester's getting started up. I'm getting excited about creations and all these things. And then I'm like, I gotta do my video. Oh, but I can't do my video. The outside world calls my video, my audio. I don't know what this is, my recording. I'll just call them channeling Amelins. Whether they're in podcast format or video, I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, so the outside world starts to call because it's quite interesting there just as much as on the inside. There are cool things on the outside and I got caught up in that and I lost connection with myself. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm keeping this commitment to myself, but I need it to be more flexible. I cannot have it just 6 a.m. in the morning. I have failed every time I was going to wake up at 6 a.m., And I know that the more I do it, the easier it will get. I just have no desire to wake up at 6 a.m. for practice. It's like, if I have to, I'll do it, but I don't want to. So it's 9 a.m., 10 (laughs) a.m., and I'm doing this recording. Um, So 10 a.m. is when I'm going to be productive and, you know, start doing this. The rest of the day, I'm going to spend it in um, creation on my curriculum. I really have to work on my ask. Okay, so this is what I noticed in playing with the world. Before I played in the world, before I did my ego work, I didn't ask. I just kind of bulldozed, right? I just went. And then um, I think what I did is I found the most vulnerable population or the most willing. I didn't intend to take advantage of people. I just did because I didn't stop to consider the human on the other side of my play, right? I was just playing in the world, but I didn't really... Um, yeah, I wasn't connected or considerate or compassionate, those kind of things. So now when I'm going back out to play, that is my centered central focus is, um, it's almost like a fear to be honest. It's something that I'm hyper aware of. Amelin, don't take advantage. Amelin, don't take advantage. And I don't even know what that means. I think it's maybe just my intention. If my intention is to collaborate in the highest good of all involved, then that should protect um, protect. It's like I'm an e- evil villain that has to wear, um, like a handcuffs or something. <laughs> no, it will, um, focus my energy and my awareness towards working with others in a collaborative, equal, um, fashion. But I have to now ask <laughs> and, and making an ask for me is a bit of a challenge because obviously from my rambling Amelin, channeling Amelin um, process, you can tell I don't get to the point very quickly. I am not a concise individual, I guess. It's more of a, you know, breadth. Well, I could have depth though too. It's just not concise. Yeah. So in in making an ask, I need to be concise. So I have to take all these ideas of what I want to do to create this community. Um, You know, learning is something I'm really focused on and what the 21st century brings us outside of institutions. Um, The individual is going to be the strong standard, not not 
an institution necessarily. Individuals can adapt to change a lot quicker or small groups rather than huge dinosaur institutions, right? Um, I mean, look at all the colleges and universities. Those uh, institutions are just having such a hard time trying to evolve because humans, uh, huge institutions are huge groups of people and comfortable groups of people that have gotten comfortable with their salaries and their lifestyles and risk. Um, that's one thing I'm definitely going to start paying attention to is this comfort that people have in their salaries because it it's called lifestyle creep. And basically your lifestyle now rules you rather than you live in your life, right? You can't take the next opportunity you want to explore. You can't move to the next area. There's a lot of things you can't do because you can no longer afford them with the lifestyle that you have trapped yourself into. But you forget that you got yourself into that lifestyle. You can get yourself out. Um, one thing that I... I I realize in my experience with the shed, moving into the shed for six months and giving away all my possessions is that was a lesson in um, giving up my attachments, right? I realized where my happiness was coming from and it wasn't from my stuff. Um, it was coming from my relationships, especially at that time because I was struggling so much with that um, process of releasing relationships came really core to my attention. I realized how important they were. And then um, me, my own self, wherever I was, there I was, right? <laughs> Who wrote that? Ram Dass, I think. Um, wherever you go, there you are. Um, gosh, I hope it's not, not Ram Dass. I can't remember labels. Ugh, that's okay. I would Google it right now or yeah, it would be edited in if I ever created anything of value. That way people could follow up. Uh, okay. Anyway. So, what else? Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, talking about my daughter, I was so very ecstatic for her. She is my inspiration. I have to tell you about living a life um, of... It's almost like everything that I had that I'm very proud of she has taken that and exponentially grown on it, right? So it's not that, um, oh, am I, is that ego? Am I seeing in her aspects of me and that's why I delight in it? No, I see her with better aspects than me and that's why I'm inspired by it is because when I watch her do her things in life, I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Oh, I could get so be much better at that. Ooh, if I worked on that, I could see how powerful it would be. You know, that kind of things. Because she shows up and she just, first of all, she leads with her heart. Um, and I had to learn how to lead with my heart. So she has this just natural compassion and empathy towards people. And she can see people in a different way than I can. So that's a really awesome gift. Um, and then the other thing is, is she can actually uh, progress and do things, I think, I don't know, maybe this is just also there's an envy aspect faster than I do. I struggle. So when I call her and I'm talking about stuff and I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. She can tell me, well, that's okay. You don't have to. But if you did this, then it could lead to this. Like change my perspective around actions, right? I don't know why I got off on that. Oh, I've been thinking about her the last couple of days. Yeah, I'm just really not that, you know, 
even last night talking to my ex-husband about that, he was like, you never call. And I'm like, well, I don't really think about you. But it's not in a negative way. It's just, um, yeah, I guess I can see it from the person's perspective. They're like, but I want to be chosen. It feels good if you're thinking about me all the time. That's just not the way my brain works. I mean, I love a lot of people in this world and I'm just not thinking about them unless it's, I mean, moments of gratitude, right? When I have a memory of a past time, I get gratitude. When I see somebody succeeding or, or even struggling in something, I get a moment of gratitude for their human process unfolding. But I don't stop and like think about people. Well, I'm thinking about Allie, but see, not in the terms that I would like pick up the phone and call her right now. I don't know how that works and I don't know how people see that as me not giving to them if I'm not reaching out and contacting. Yeah, I guess I have to explore that. Anybody that pops into my life, I'm like, yeah, absolutely come. Like, you know, I was very happy to talk to my ex-husband. He's a great guy. Um, so when he called, it was just like normal conversation. And, and I'm there and I'm present and I'm enjoying it. But I'm not necessarily reaching out to make the calls. Yeah, I don't know what that is about. Maybe that's something I'll go in today is um, my expression. Oh, it's not even that. I think it's about helping people. If I'm still thinking about my own life the majority of the time, that can't be selfishness because I'm not thinking of myself over others. I'm just leading from within. So I have to be. Wow, I have some confusions around this area. I guess I'm going to have to dive into that today. So my process, let's go ahead and practice this again. Um, I use a view of the human experience. And I have creativity, imagination, my education, my um, experience in the world, all of these things come to compile my channeling Amelin process. Um, anybody that would be at all curious to follow the kind of process that I do, I would highly recommend that they make it their own. So there's nothing I do that is um, necessary for the process. It's just what I need for my um, effectiveness of spending time with self and being productive with it and changing my belief systems and becoming more authentic. This is what I created. Somebody else can create something different as long as it works for them and the intention is the same. So here's my process. First, routine. I must have time to give to my inside self um, as I do to the outside self. It's not proportionate in time because I'm definitely outside the world more than I am inside the world, but um, it should be as equally respected, if not more so, right? So spending self time with self, and then I have visualization that I use because visualization is how I take in information in the world, and when I think... I see in pictures. So I receive visions, as I say. Now, I don't know what people's beliefs are, religious, spiritual, or science. I agree, I believe in all of them. Um, something cannot exist in your experience unless you allow it to be. So when I say visions, um, there's a couple of things. I can think in science, where do visions come from? Their thoughts, blah, 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 recreated in this 
my visual cortex is probably more activated, all those kind of things. But when I say visions and spirituality is these are coming to me and it feels like from, I okay, in my spirituality, I'm giving them faith. I'm leaning into the visions and surrendering and accepting as they are. How about that? That's my spirituality with it. What I've learned with spirituality, it is all about surrender and accepting what is and detaching attachments from the meaning created. Okay? So, mm, coffee taste. Um, all right, so... That's how I use visualization. Some other people feel like, um, I know some people that can't see, like I can see, taste, everything in my visions are like real life human experiences, right? But I know that some people, when I've done meditation ex exercises and I'm just talking to others, they feel it or they just know it or um, they have other experiences that I, I, I just don't experience. So you need to use what you got. I, in this space and time, my visualization, I use a tree and that has been developed over time. It did not start as a tree, but the more I sat there and the more I kept seeing each part that I had to work on just became this symbol. Yeah, the tree is my symbol so that I could get into this space. And my tree starts with the roots. The roots is about grounding into the shared reality. When I spend a lot of time with myself in these alternate realities in my head, right? Again, just like real life for me up there, I sometimes forget that there's a reality that we all share. So I'll go out into the world as if my reality is everybody else's. And um, that can disconnect me from the world because I'm like in la-la land. I'm in the cosmos is what I used to say is because I'd be in my reality in the physical reality, but not really paying attention to anybody else's, right? So grounding helps me tie into the reality that other people share. So when I intentionally ground, I say, I'm going to come back into this world and I'm not just going to play Amelin's little, you know, reality out. I'm going to stop and be present with the people and then tap into their reality on some level. Maybe it's that we just we're agreeing on gravity. Maybe it's we're agreeing on love. Maybe we're agreeing on self-expression. Whatever it is, but there's something that I can connect with every single human being on. And that's my grounding. The next is I create the tree of the, tr the, of the, sorry, the trunk of the tree is the channel or the bridge that brings me into the space where is my cosmos. And that's where I go and I surrender into all the information that's received. This is where people pray, right? Because in prayer, you have a surrender. You have a faith that that's why you go there and do it. You believe. And if you believe, you can let go and receive. And that's what this space is. So in my visualization, I have a council. I have five entities that are just kind of like, they look like humans, but they're made out of like white flowy light and not like solid. It's almost like how you would see a ghost. Yeah, like a ghost kind of energy. Yeah, I guess so. But they're not, definitely not ghost. But they're just like an energy thing. But they don't have faces because I don't have affiliation with a religion. So um, I don't give mine faces. But some people might, right? They might put Shiva or, or Jesus or who else? Some people, Mary. I, I'm really more familiar with Christian symbols than I am all the other religions just because I haven't really studied them. 
But yeah, so this is that space. Or if you're in science, this is about your meditation and your repetition and your um, programming, right? You're working on your unconscious programming. The other thing that I have up here is I bring in my living friend. <laughs> She's not past or anything. She's in this real life, but she has an energy of guidance. So I tap in or carry her guidance with me. And um, she holds the space to take a breath, to slow down, encourage me to go into the pain. Um, so it's like, yes, I'm going in as in my process, but I have, oh, what is she? I guess she's like a muse, right? She's holding the space of what I can do. Um, so after I get in this space, this is where I communicate. I ask questions. One of the beautiful things about humans is we have a way out of our struggles because we have cognitive minds. <laughs> um, it's like, I saw this video of a monkey given, they gave him walnuts and they're like, let's see what he does. And he just like keeps going, keeps going, keeps going until he finds a way to open it. Well, that's in our aspect of humanity. Once you have a struggle, we're going to find some way to escape that struggle. And the next step is asking questions, which is where most people fall into worry, right? Because they start asking all the negative questions. What if, what if, what if, bad, 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 you know, that's the, the route they take to escape that struggle, but it doesn't feel very good. And it kind of just stops them in this imaginary space. Well, the questions that I like to ask is who, what, when, where, why? right? Like dig into it so that it exposes it. And then if I can see it, um, whatever it is, right? If I can see it and then, um, and then I can integrate it, take it into the world and actually use it. So in this space, I'm asking questions. The answers are coming from wherever you believe that they're coming from, but I just allow them to be. So whatever message I get, I surrender and have faith that it's in my highest good to know, and I do not resist it. So a lot of times when I'm talking with myself, or I'm not really talking, my thoughts will just be on automatic pilot. Um, the, the, again, the questioning isn't productive. It's just blah, 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 noise, noise, noise. But when I get into channeling Amelin, then that time becomes productive and I can ask those questions. And surprisingly, I, I'm like, wow, there's answers up there. <laughs> Above that, though, um, I don't stop there because one of the pieces, what pieces, one of the aspects of peace that I get in this world is by knowing that I am a creation of all that is. And in, in religions, every religion and non-religion knows this, even science. We are part of the universe, right? It, it allows me to get out of my ego, which I do remove, but um, this place is just, there is no me without the expression of all that is. So if I choose um, one aspect, all the millions of other aspects are still there for me to choose. I have just put my focus on one thing. So by having this space of the I am, of God, of universe, or or of knowing that you're, you're limited importance, right? In this big scheme, then I can disconnect from the creations that I'm experiencing and I can change the creations that I'm experiencing. And one of the biggest things is softening my definition of I am whatever it is, right? So I used to say I am and that was concrete. 
So I am not a person of details. That that was my um, belief system and just repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. But I was choosing it over and over and over and over and over again. So by knowing that I have this space of the I am that is not me and I'm just an expression of every time I make a choice, it gives me such liberty in moving around in the world. It is our attachments and the, the constants that when something new comes into play, we have a hold, we, we hold on to it creates resistance and that creates pain. So um, all of these spaces in my channeling I, I am, it's almost like each one represents an understanding of my aspects of humanity. And then I just work through them in this space. But just doing a time check because I wonder like, it's been 28 minutes of rambling at 30. I'll go ahead and get in. I wonder if 28, a half hour of rambling just means I'm still in the 3D world and I'm not in tune and allowing what is. I still have my ego on top of it, right? So when you, when I ask questions, I'll be like, well, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. That is my ego. Oh, the last part of my process is I do have a candle that represents my ego and I see it as an Ebenezer Scrooge from the Christmas Carol you know how that one he carries to the bedroom and it's like a candle dripping wax and he's holding on to the little ring um, I bring that back through me and to the side and I put it down and then I just acknowledge that I'll pick it up later because I do need my ego because the amylin that everybody experiences is an ego formation of amylin right that's just so that you have some consistency of who I am um, if you haven't talked to me for a year or two, you might have no consistency. You'll come and interact with me and you'll be like, who the hell is that girl? That's not the one that I met. <laughs> but if you're day in, day out interacting with me, then the ego representation of Amelin is what you're interacting with. So it's necessary. And vice versa, when I'm interacting with people, it's their ego I'm interacting with. All right, and the ego is what protects our existence as it is in that moment, right? It's necessary for us to move forward. We can't be questioning our identity at every second of every moment. We wouldn't be able to do, right? So um, the ego is there to hold. It's like a paper clip. All right, so I'm going to close the window. And then I'm going to get in my space again. I'm going to use my tree visualization Breathe four, seven, eight breaths. That's the routine I use to slow down my breathing, get me into the space and time. I'm going to say Weiss was the name of that dude. Wheel. W-E-W-I. I don't know. Anyway, the guy that represented the four, seven, eight. All right. Breathe in for a count of four. Hold it for a count of seven. Out for a count of eight. And you can do even more. Sometimes I find myself breathing in for like six, holding it for like ten out for 15, whatever your breath is, but you're just slowing it down. Okay, grounded it with my roots, 
channeled up into the space that I work. There's my council, Teresa, and then above that is the I am. All right. So I'm in this space. And um, once I see, it's like a theater of my mind, right? So I'm in this blank space. I can't see anything, but I can feel, meaning, I guess if you, if you could see it, it would be like I'm in this black theater. And then right at the front on either corner, I have my council and Teresa. Okay, so, but I'm in, the, I'm like looking to, at this screen, but there's, but it's not really a physical screen. It's just darkness, right? So I'm going to direct my attention towards the questions. So what came up this morning that I want to dive into is that separation between myself and others. Um, because I came from a self-preserving aspect of my ego, I, instead of, there's what I noticed, there's two types of individuals, right? Those that are, are really empathetic and enmeshed, and they struggle to pull themselves out of others' identity. Mine is the reverse. I'm so much into my own identity. I struggle to pull myself out to incorporate with others to, or to um, connect with others. So I want to go back into that. I've done quite a bit of work on myself to remove my fear factors, which prevent me from connecting to others. But I think this is more on a um, 3D um, understanding of division between people. So I'm going to go into this space and ask. All right. So show me myself. There we go. And then um, I want to explore about interacting with others. Where do the space of our creations or our identities begin and and the most effective way to blend in the creation with others? Okay. Okay. So it's showing me a person, but it's showing me a person like a doll, right? So they're not physical flesh. They're made out of plastic, rubber, hair, like, like synthetic. Okay. Oh, so people are my creation. The way that I see, the way that I interact, the way that I am with others is still all about me. So somebody shows up. Oh, okay, no, wait. Okay, so I see this. So somebody shows up, and it's almost like Pinocchio, right? You can see... <laughs> so I see the the movie of Pinocchio. And when you're seeing the movie of Pinocchio, he's like a real boy, but not. And you can see him as a real boy or not. So the the bad guys, they see him as the puppet, right? But that's a real live boy puppet. But his dad sees him as a real boy. So it's your intention behind how you see somebody that um, that impacts how they show up for you. So even though it's about connecting with another person, it still is an outward projection from self of how you see them. Um, Okay, so it's giving me like an example of one of my coworkers. So I see them sitting in their office and everything, and I'm interacting with them. But that it's almost like an archetype. 
that I'm interacting with is not their whole person because I have no idea of what's happening in their home. I have no idea how they're showing up with their spouse. I have no idea how they show up with themselves. All I'm interacting with is my outward projection of them in the role that they are playing in that um it's like an unfolding or like if it was a movie, right? The role that I have them playing in this episode is only what I see and project. So if I discount this individual from having a home life, from having a personal aspect to themselves, then I will never tune into those aspects of their humanity. I'm addressing layers, like just instead of a holistic individual, I'm only addressing the individual that I'm needing for my story. Oh, that's the point of selfishness. Okay, so selfishness, I see it now. So selfishness is not because they are like a role, because everybody shows up as a projection of yourself, but it's about the identity I'm allowing them to have. If I see somebody as only a representation of what I need them to show up as for whatever role they're playing. So let's say that um, so let's say it's a, a, a child because I always question my relationship with Allie because I have a different relationship than a mom and a daughter has. And then I always wonder if it has less value or if it has, you know, there, there's all these judgments because it doesn't look like other people. Is it um, a good enough or good, yeah, I'm trying to put some kind of validation on the relationship. But it's because when I see Allie, I don't see her as a role of a daughter that needs to deliver for a mother. So there's a mother-daughter dynamic, or even a, just a parent-child dynamic, where parents see their children as a representation of what they want them to be, right? So, um, and it might be a fulfillment of their own ego, so maybe um, unfinished business that that, that that individual didn't have, they pass it on to their kids. I see this a lot in college, right? Their parents pushing their kids to be something that their parent wanted to be and never did. So now the child has has kind of imprinted on them this role that the child never really actually chose. But it was, and, and every time that that parent interacts with that child, that's what they see them as. Um, so when I see Allie, I don't see her as a role. And that allows me to see all these different aspects of her as a human that maybe another parent wouldn't necessarily tune into, right? So there's other dynamics of her. Like, she's self-expressed. She can be self-expressed. I don't have boundaries as far as this is appropriate, this is inappropriate, this is um, acceptable, this is not acceptable. I just see her as a human, a free-flowing human that... Um, Ah, no, it's showing me the role I do have for her. So I see her in obviously a um, uplifted, like she's um, not like a pedestal, but it's showing me all the other humans and then she's raised above them. So I do see her in a higher aspect than others in contrast, right? So I see her as kinder than others. I see her as more ambitious than others. I see her as more cunning than others. I see her more as creative than others. So there is a contrast. So even though I'm saying I'm not seeing a role, I'm just not seeing the traditional role that I lay on top of her. But I do hold her a role of inspiration. So if she did something that was horrible against another human, then um, my expectations would come crashing down, right? So I would only feel it 
when she when the role that I have her playing is in contrast to what my expectation is and to the way she shows up that is when I'll notice that because when we interact with humans we still are holding an expectation and when they don't deliver to that that ruffles us in some way so the non-selfish aspect of interacting with humans is to acknowledge that I have a role identity for them and place it aside. I can use it as a tool, but that tool is not serving that individual that I'm interacting with. That role identity is serving myself. So when I see a specific student, so a couple of students that, um, that I've had in the past, I've interacted with this week and their, their faces come up and I think of them and I immediately have a role that I see them as. Now, um, my students, I always see as above others as well, because I, I have a, oh, here we go. So with students, the reason why I I bring them on a pedestal is my interaction with them. I feel very responsible, like, like, oh, that's kind of beautiful, like a gift, right? So, oh, I'm going to get a little bit teary. I'm just seeing all the faces of my students flash in my head and like, you know, the really impactful, like, when you meet so many humans over the course of time and the the blessing that I have, the gratitude I have for my work is I get to see everybody's greatness because that's what we do. We work on uncovering gifts and greatness and stuff like that. So I see all these faces and, and like, it's not just a face. There's a soul spark with each one that I kind of see. And, and the reason why I kind of hold them as exalted is, is it's a gift. They were brought to me as a gift for our experience. Oh, Yeah, and it's showing me like, like, uh, <laughs> sorry, this gratitude, just, but it's like, I, my candle, right, gets to light their candle, their candle lights another candle, their candle lights another, so when I see my students, I just see all these like lit candles and, and just, yeah, positive, <laughs> like, it's just amazing, okay, so, but that's, my creation, like when I think about, so I've heard, uh, you know, I'm sure this happens on every campus. I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that it does, but there's tensions between students and instructors and instructors don't actually, um, show up for their students. They show up for themselves and their students are just products to serve their ego. And that hurts kind of my heart because I do believe that students are vulnerable in our systems because they've been taken advantage for so very long. Um, they put their heart and souls into getting an opportunity to grow. And then we don't allow them to grow in their natural flowing way that we shove them in a box, right? To meet our needs based on here's how I believe a human should be rather than let's allow a human to unfold. So, um, yeah, so they're showing me the roles that I have and there's nobody in the world that you would interact with without your projection on top of them. So any difficult, any difficult relationship that you have, you are the one creating that because you're projecting on that person something that makes that difficulty stick. 
right? So, and I'm not talking that people don't show up. Yeah, people show up however they show up, but the meaning that you create from how they show up is what impacts your interaction um, with them, right? So if somebody, um, let's say a family member or something, um, does something that you don't expect or you don't approve of, right away you put a distance between you and them because you say, um, people that do these things, I cannot be, I cannot respect, I cannot be around, I cannot this. So you remove all of their identity just because of the new role you have chosen, right? Same thing with um, partnerships, like uh, marriages all of a sudden you've changed your story about that person and then that person continues to show up the way that your story is because once you focus on something the rest of the proof that it doesn't exist disappear right if somebody is unfaithful right somebody is 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 untrustworthy is not trustworthy you will find proof of that even no matter what because all humans have all aspects of every um existence right and when we focus on one we create that existence so an individual that we see as joyful is going to show up joyful through our projections even when they're struggling we're going to still see their struggle as less so than somebody that's not joyful right so the selfish aspect is going into the world and interacting with people um, as a mirror as you do but not acknowledging that. So when you go and you interact with somebody and you have a negative experience taking ownership for that, and when you go and interact with people and you have a joyous, amazing experience, take ownership of that. You create your reality in the world and it includes the, the way you create your reality in your world with your home right? You project your energy in your home. Your home is a representation of who you are, the way it feels, the way it looks, the way um, uh, your rules or regulations or who shows up, who doesn't. Your home is the closest thing in physicality, right? Consistency that you create. Maybe it's not your home. Maybe you live in your car more than you do in your home. You're on travel or whatever, but there's an aspect of you that really radiates your energy. Well, you're going to see that in the people around you as well. Now, the people that are closest to you, your family members, are going to give you the best clues. The relationship that you have with those around you is a is an amazing glimpse at how you're projecting onto the world and what your beliefs are. If you have a lot of fear, then you're going to see that in this lack of trust or this just kind of um, criticism about the world or not even criticism. It, it's literally an arms. It's showing me like pushing an arm's length away. You do not want closeness because you don't allow the leaning in and faith in other humans. So therefore you will always have a lack of trust and that will bring you proof of lack of trust throughout your life, right? So that what you choose must be represented in your reality. All right. So because before I chose not to look at the whole human experience, I really didn't identify the human behind the archetype that they showed up as. I was dealing with an object that was meeting my needs, right? Like a Sims or a character, 
a lot like people do online. They forget the human behind the interaction, right? That's how I was doing in real life. I was seeing people like online people. Online people, we say um, sometimes, well, not me. <laughs> I'm acknowledging saying, no, don't say we. You don't do that. So I do not do this. Consciously, I do not do this. But when you attack, okay, when individuals attack others on Facebook, they're only seeing that that role, that, that 2D entity that shows up to them, but they don't look at the holistic human behind it. That's how I was doing it in the real world. I was living on in the internet in the real world, <laughs> an unevolved way of interacting with that which faced me. And it was all projections of who I am. So now what I'm able to do looking at a whole person is I'm able to give more opportunities for expression um, in both of our interactions. So that which I see is what I interact with um, and, and I show up for. But what I allow for is to be surprised and to be open and, and welcoming to the other aspects that present rather than closing off and saying, this is who you are and that's it. And this is who you are. And this is who you are. Every time I choose, this is who you are. That is who you are in my representation of you, right? When I think of you, that's how I think of you. When I interact with you, that's how I think of you. When I talk about you to other people, that's how I think about you. So it's really important that we pay attention to how other people show up because it is a projection of how we are creating the reality of others. And that's, um, so it's showing me the nation as a whole. And it's almost like, so the internet does teach us um, an aspect of herself. It's just an alternate reality. And in that alternate reality, we can see some of our shortfalls. Because instead of interacting with just three or four or ten people you might every day, now you're interacting with a hundred, two hundred, or the, the, there's that possibility of interaction. So it, it expands what's already in your heart. So how you are on the internet is the same way that you are showing up um, unless you look at the internet as not people. And that's a projection as well. Ooh, and that, okay, so yeah, so this is a transfer. We start to see on online people is not people, and then we transfer that to real life people are not people. Okay. But this is a learning aspect. It's a, it is an amazing tool for us to expand our consciousness and, 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 and to increase our capacity of compassion and love and empathy. It's just whether or not we take this opportunity to do that or if it's more isolation and distance and separation. And that is our next level of evolution. Are we separating those that are isolated? They're going to struggle more and more and more as we progress in our future. And it's a personal choice whether that isolation is happening. Happening. We are isolating ourselves from others. Others are not necessarily isolating um, them from us because they're just showing up in the world. But those amongst that that are closing themselves off to the world, they will struggle in our um, next level of evolution, which is mental, right? We've already played the physical game. We are not needing to evolve so that we can survive physically. But we do need to evolve so that we can survive this next mental level, which is going to incorporate our technology and our alternate realities and all of that. Because what controls that is our minds, not our bodies. And our minds is what's separating and isolating humanity. Our minds is what's creating the anxiety and the depression and the... So if you notice before, we used to have an epidemic on the physicality. People were... 
living short lives. Well, now people are physically living longer lives, but the people that are exiting before their body actually gives up is much higher. And that's because, yes, they're fine in their physical world, but if you don't got the mental world down, then you're still not going to propel evolution to the next step. The individuals that are evolving, they're, they're helping this mass consciousness or our species get over that next hump, which is being at peace and enjoy within our own physical bodies. And where our thoughts go, our reality goes. So when we don't need our bodies anymore and we start to integrate, right? We're becoming cyborgs already. Most of our, our experiences are mental. They're not physical. Those mental experiences will determine your life experience and the life experience of your community around you. So we need to work on this human level, which is mental. And with that mental aspect comes the emotional response. Negative emotions are directly related to negative thoughts. Negative thoughts come from negative programming. Negative programming comes from escape, from fear, from not going within and healing. Our external expression is a direct representation of our internal alignment. And that is a personal responsibility our world will only be able to evolve, our species, right? If every individual is going inside and doing the work. So in these institutions, we're failing now because it worked when we had to maneuver people's physicalities and we didn't care about their minds. We could program their minds, right? You didn't have to think, you didn't have to agree. We just did it enough when we programmed you. Um, but you weren't programmed with human elements. We weren't programming you compassion. We were programming you to how to do, not how to be. So that worked for a while, right? Because we did have a level of focus on the physicality and when we could be. But once we had, as a mass, evolved past that and we all had this now mental focus, now we need to evolve our focus as well as how we... Um, how we grow humanity. What's our next step? Looking at us as a species rather than individuals. Because if we look at individuals, there's a bazillion choices somebody can have. And it's easy for that individual to feel as if they don't have power over anything on the outside world. But when we look at it as a species, you as just an ant in terms of the entire colony have great power to change the direction of the colony. Because if everybody, like you'll say we were ants, right? And everybody just wanted to sit in their rooms and were miserable and, and didn't um, want to collaborate, connect with other people, we would never build anything. And then they would start to mass exit, right? Now I don't have food. Now I don't have health. Now I don't have because it doesn't come to you when you're in isolation. It's something that communities build together. So that is our next step. I have, okay, so all of this I have gratitude though because I don't feel the struggle. I don't feel like, oh yeah, Emmeline, you gotta do that. I have an understanding and I have a peace and a flow with yes, this is what I'm gonna do. But I also have an acknowledgement 
that when I interact with somebody, it's very important that I open my consciousness and lead with heart. And when I lead with heart and not with head, then I leave a space for them to create the role. When I lead with head, I imprint a role because I need them to serve my um, intention. But when I lead with heart, I allow them space to lead with their intention. And then I can choose how to collaborate with them. Oh, what a great, great awareness before I start the semester. All right, I'm out. I, I just cannot wait to play. I'm so very excited. And you know what? It seems so easy when I see it. When I'm living life, I struggle too, right? I'm like, oh, like, why are these people so <laughs> stuck in their ways? But I too am stuck in my ways. And I think maybe my frustration, just taking ownership and already integrating it into something in my life, I'm really struggling with um, the slow process of reform, right? Of like evolution <laughs> of like our systems. I'm in the, I'm in the education system and I'm like, why are they not moving quicker? I think that that's also a frustration with myself. How many years have I been talking about making this movement? And I have had to do the work internally in order to get to the space of even the confidence to go out and be willing to take the actions. So I lack empathy for the process it takes to go through this evolution. It is not change on a dime, right? The choice to do so and walk the journey may come quickly, but the actual unfolding took a long time for myself. And I am not being compassionate to the other humans in the institution that this unfolding is also happening and it's happening at a different space. And instead of condemning, and, um, and that's my frustration and my resistance is when I see it, I say, that should not be. And immediately that rises within me a frustration. Instead of looking and saying, I can see that they're struggling with this new direction that um, mass consciousness does have a power over us because we have mere neurons, right? Where we are connected to all of society, um, consciously or unconsciously, I guess, whether you're aware of it or not, we're being pulled by this mass consciousness. So if you're a person that's in isolation, you're being pulled towards others. And if you're in resistance, you're just feeling it more and more. So it's more intensity of this isolation that's coming up. So when I see the individuals that are really struggling with this next level of evolution, it really is about having compassion and to lend a hand and understand and just hold a space that allows them to take a breath. Oh, that's, that's actually kind of beautiful. Ah, ah, emotions, they, <laughs> they still choke me up. I mean, I'm used to feeling emotions, but crying out of joy is quite odd, okay? <laughs> Having like such beautiful things that move you to tears. Oh, especially in public. It's, I'm not embarrassed, so not, I'm still just kind of like shocked. I'm like, whoa, that's beautiful. And then like the, the tears come. But, okay, so, so it's... Uh, so it's like a gift I receive as my students because I'm able to have that, you know, that interaction and play with them. But I don't see the people like on campus that aren't in my class as gifts. And I and instead of um, push away 
I can see them as a gift, an opportunity to see it unfolding, the struggle, and to have compassion and empathy and oh, and remember. Yeah. It's remembering my human experience as well. That is true. Is when we get to a place, it feels like we've always been there. And it's like, why the hell isn't everybody else here? But it's easy to forget. And that's, it's, it's important sometimes to forget because that keeps us moving forward. But in terms of empathy, to forget all the hard work that we went through and all the struggles. And then we expect somebody else to tomorrow get where we are today. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to have a lot more empathy going out into the world and just notice holistic humans or lead with heart, lead with heart. And that allows the head to be open um, so that I'm not labeling that they show up in the way that I expect. Okay. Huh. Well, that will be interesting. Awesome. All right. That was our show, our show, our moment, our time.